Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'm Beckett Rice. And I'm CJ Bakel. And for today's episode, we're going to recap last week's Six Nations, the penultimate week of the Six Nations. And obviously, it was an interesting one. So without further ado, we might as well just start talking about the weekend. So we're going to go in order from uh, which games happened first. And so the first match was Italy versus Wales, in which Wales came on top uh, 29-17. Beckett, yeah. since Italy is your team, let's hear yeah. it. Yeah, so all around, uh, just I think Italy had a lot of moments that they, they could have made something happen in, in um Rex's, um, where he almost had a try and, and knocked it on in front of the line. Um, but, you know, um, I think we saw a lot of their shortcomings, and they're a very young team. I think the moment got to them mentally, um, and they were at times trying to do too much and making mistakes. Um, that a much more veteran Wales t- team was even with the under a sort of new coach. Um, you know they were able to make them pay for those mistakes, and and they didn't make those mistakes like my likewise. Um, you know they had they still had a lot of good breaks. I think uh, I don't remember what the stat was. I think they had like nine uh, breaks, uh, but they just couldn't finish. Um, they controlled territory and possession. Um, and they had a lot more time. The opposition twenty two, but it, they just weren't like uh, Lamarino said at the end. Um, they just didn't execute. They got to execute. I mean, we were we were both hoping that Italy would win this one. We, I, I think, all three of us really were praying that Italy would win this one and not get the wooden spoon again because they'd been yeah. showing so much promise early on. Playing right. well against, you know, playing well against France, playing well against Ireland, playing well against all these other teams. It's just that they like they seem to be almost there, and I I hate that for Italy that they're the team that is almost there, but they this is definitely significantly better than the teams of past where we've been saying, oh, does Italy really need to be in the Six Nations? Now we can easily say they belong here. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, you know, it's a good indication that people, rather than like, oh, hey, you know, it's great that Italy kept it within 12, 10, 15 points, you know. And rather, and, but instead of that, people are like, man, this is a game Italy should have won. Um, you know, I was expecting them to win. Then someone's saying, I, right. people are like, oh, I expected them to win, even though I think betting-wise or whatever, Wales was... Still favored. Um, that's a good step in the right direction. That's showing th- uh, progress. And I know there are probably some people like, oh, well, they're still not winning. But it's like it's not all. A guess. It's not always about the final score, but it's about like the things you notice. It's like, um, I it's never really been in the past where it's like, oh, you know, or at least the majority of the time it's not like oh if Italy just had one player available they probably would have won this game if they had like you know if a few decisions went their way they probably would have been closer um 
But that that's sort of what it's been like in the Six Nations. You know, maybe if they had Garbisi and Montejuani in that first round against France, they might have been able to beat France. Um, if they had Capozo and Ioani uh, in this match, it might have been different. If they had uh, Ioani against Ireland, it maybe they probably would have been able to come away with a bonus point loss. But um, you know, the, the, it, which which I think shows that there are still there's still holes in their depth chart in certain places. But it's it you know it, there it is an improvement, whereas in the past it's like you know what good for them they only lost by twenty. Yeah, and even like. Uh, Lamaro is like saying, and he's been saying this like frequently in uh, in uh, is is like I don't want to be the team that's almost there. Like I don't want to be known as the team is like, oh, good for you, you came within ten. It's like no, we expect to win, and I really appreciate yeah. that out of him, especially as a captain, to turn this and a young captain at that too, to turn around the culture of it. Um. But yeah, like we, like you were saying with the uh, with, with the mistakes, while it was just inexperience, there was a lot. Like they went down and cut a handful of times, so that definitely went against them. When you have you know two yellows, is that right? Yeah, so, two yellows. Uh, yeah. Two yellows. So twenty minutes of guys out like, of what of being a man down. That's not exactly mm-hmm. going to help you, especially when. That first yellow came within the fortieth, forty fourth minute, and mm-hmm. it was a, it was like fairly close of a game, or at least they were gaining momentum to catch up, right. and then all of a sudden momentum shift, lose a man, it was done. Yeah, um, at least for up until that point. Yeah, it it just it it seemed like Italy came out, and you know credit to Wales, it, it's Italy came out with like high expectations like i think they've never this is i think this was the you could argue this might have been the first match um that the majority of these players have ever had in in um against a tier one nation this is the first match against a tier one nation that most of these players have had where there's an expectations like hey we should we should come out on top here i think most people against wales last year and i even against australia last year most people were like, oh, they'll play well, but I don't think they'll win. Whereas this game, I think a lot of people were like, oh, they can win this. They can, you know, go for two for two against Wales. And so I think that just got them mentally. And that's just, that happens with a young team is like, you can't, uh, you know, that takes time to step up there. Um, and then just, you know, two unfortunate yellows. I mean, not that they shouldn't have been given. They should have. They were pretty clear but like you know canone bringing the um mall down in front of the line to give you know to for him to be sent off and to give them a um penalty try and then bruno um elbow to the neck face area while um uh, carrying against alan yeah. win jones right uh i think i think it was yeah yeah he he carried it and i you know usually when i see those um I think 90 something percent of the time those are like accidental they don't mean to like lead with the elbow but it just happens and you got to be more careful about that um but i mean the yellow cards they have four yellow cards this tournament the other teams uh, i think it's two for france two for wales and one for scotland i think so you know they um they so it's like it is a bit of a discipline thing and that again is like a mental aspect that comes with age um you know, 
Um, I do want to say I misspoke. The first yellow card did happen at 33 minutes, not 44. The second yeah. one happened at 44. I got the two mixed up. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but, still, though, that, that's, that's um, pretty significant. I'm not sure if you would have... Well, I think you would have rather two cards to be spaced out where they're not overlapping rather than overlapping because I think you'd rather just spend 20 minutes down to 14 than <laughs> 10 minutes yeah. down 13. I mean, had <laughs> one minute where they had 15 together, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but... Um, another thing is, um, so Frederick Arruzza, I think we, we, we'd spoken about him pre-podcast about because we were looking at some of these stats. Obviously, he leads the entire um, Six Nations in line-out uh, takes with 32, followed not so closely behind by Ollie Chesson with 18. Um, so obviously, their key line-out carry. And, you know, he's a, he's a very good player for them. Um, he's still, I think, a little bit younger. He's only, oh, no, he's, he's a little older. He's 28. He's one of the older guys in the team. He's he's a bit of their workhorse guy, but he that Brex try almost Brex try, he knocks it on the line. Um, they make a break. I think Kanone makes makes the initial break. Brex, uh, he Ruza gets the ball and he's, he, you can see he gets try line fever because he kind of looks and he sees Brex a few feet to his right and a little bit behind him and Menoncello. Maybe about, I want to say, 15, 16 feet out wider. With no one in front of them. Fairly simple passes while he has two dudes about to make a tackle on him. He sort of glances at them and then turns back and tries to get to the line. It's taken down in front of it and then gives it to Brex, who then gets tackled um, and knocks the ball on. And Lemero thought it, that the uh, Tommaso Williams was offside, um, but there was no ruck for him. I think if he had just looked... Given that past either one of them, just a simple, soft, you know, t- you know, quick pass, you know, just lob it up for them to, to catch it, I think it would have been fine. They would have scored there, and that would have been a huge momentum shift. But So another statistic that you were talking about, or that we were talking about pre-podcast, was also Stephen Varney for Italy having nearly 30 more passes than the next... Uh, the next player, Antoine Dupont. Yeah, yeah. I know you like, have something to speak about with this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he had. I, w- I want to say it was like two sixty to about two twenty eight, two twenty seven. Two six. Yeah, it's two sixty and two twenty seven. Yeah. And then, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna say then it goes. Stephen Varney two sixty, Antoine Dupont two twenty seven, and then Jack P- Van Portfleet at two twenty five, and then Ben White at two oh nine. Right. Yeah. So and that like that's like something we've been talking about is like Italy have I think in almost all their games if not all of their games they've had more possession um, and a lot of them they've had more territory because when they get the ball uh, even if it's in their own twenty two or their own half they don't like to clear it a lot they want to run it so he ends up passing more because they're playing more phases in their own half because they're not going to kick back because I think. Um, one, they're they're not quite as confident in their kicking a little bit because they're a younger side. I mean, Barney's only twenty one. It's very difficult to be an international uh, scrum half at twenty one. And two, um, I think that's just they like their chant. They like to not have to play defense. Their best method of playing defense is to not have to hold on to the ball as long yeah. as possible. Their best defense is a good offense. Um, yeah. 
That's that's what it is. Is so if they have the ball, they don't have to defend. And I think that was like for Wales, especially with Gatlin, uh, the way he likes to play. It's like all right, they want to run with the ball, and they'll run it from anywhere. Kick it to them in their twenty-two and let them run it. And well, you know, we'll put up, come up, put the defensive pressure and make them make a mistake. That didn't always work for Wales. Obviously, they, they it, like we said, Italy made a lot of line breaks, um, but Italy couldn't execute, so it worked out for them. Um, and I mean, you saw with that like. The first try to Rio Dyer early in the match, they just got a nice bounce, and Dyer followed it all the way. And the Italians didn't make a play on the ball. They let it bounce. He gets under it. He just scores a try. Bit of luck there to to get that bounce, uh, as well as skill. But like that's what how Wales want to play under Gatland is you you put those low percentage sort of like those low percentage kicks where if it doesn't come off, that's fine. We've pinned them back. We can play defense, and they'll kick it back to us hopefully. While we're talking about kicking as well as nines, I'm going to flip this, flip this teams, and we're going to talk about Reese Webb for a little bit, having yeah. his man-of-the-match performance this last weekend. So he was previously not in the squad against England and then was brought up as a starter against Italy, probably as a we're-going-to-get-him-experience move. Maybe not experience, just to get some minutes playing by Gatlin. But at the same time, he had a couple assists Especially starting the uh, starting the scoring with a, a with a try assist from his boot, as well as he had some pretty good kicks throughout the entire game. Um, you want not to speak on that anymore? No, yeah, I, I I thought that was sorry. I was I was looking at some stats intensely. Yeah, he um, I thought he he was good. I thought he they brought him up specifically because uh, they wanted to use his boot. Um against italy i mean he kicked for over 400 meters and i think the team as a whole kicked for a close to 900 meters um you know comparably italy um i want to say they kicked for only about maybe a little less than 700 meters so that's a huge difference there at 200 meters they were really winning the kicking battle there um partially because italy just didn't want to want to kick back because that's you know that's how they play and that's what Wales wanted so that Reese Webb phenomenal game. I think that was a perfect game for for his style. Um, and it, just all around, he was very good. He had a couple try assists, um, some offloads, broke uh, broke a tackle. Um, or, sorry, no offloads. He had a broken tackle, um, and and very good for him. Very good from the young lad Rio Dyer, who I think Rio Dyer we probably haven't talked about enough is like a really exciting up and coming. Um, young lad for Wales this, and he's really shown out this season when he's gotten a chance to. Yeah, and we've been we've been speaking about him a couple of times. I mean, he had mm. he had some uh, he had some good uh, carries as well as uh, some kick chasing. Because within that squad, it's very tough to be, you know, uh, play eleven when you have other options in the back three like Liam Williams. Yeah. Josh Adams, uh, Reese Zamet, George North. Like, you have a lot of guys who, who are potentially there. So for him to come in, get some minutes, play well, he's a good up-and-coming new guy for Wales, which they definitely need it because we keep on seeing the same names week, like every freaking year. It yeah. seems like, especially with Warren Gatlin coming back, we're seeing the same guys play every single week. Every single Six Nations, it's always the same. Win Jones, Alan Win Jones, yeah, uh, 
Tipperick, Falatau, like those same group of guys that we've been watching for the longest time. And especially back when they were really, really good and, uh, and were dominating the Six Nations. Like those were the same guys, but they're just like eight years older. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's good to see him in the squad. Uh, guys like Joe Hawkins has been in the team for a couple years now. Uh, Mason Grady getting shot with if Tompkins out. And, you know, Owen Williams and Reese Webb trying to form a good half pack. And um, Thomas Williams as well at nine trying to form good um, half duos to, uh, you know, move on from their future for them. But, yeah, I, you know, I think we've um, looked at this game well enough. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, experience clearly winning out, a better game plan, and just, you know, one team not being able to execute. It's really, uh, for the most part, what it comes down to. I think, you know, this could be a good learning moment. This is great for Wales for their confidence. Um, and, you know, this this hurts for Italy, but maybe in the long term it'll be good. It'll be a good learning move moment about, like, staying mentally focused, doing what you can do. Like, um I think Lamro said it's like I cannot control what the result is at the end of the day, but I can control what I do to on the field to try and help my team. That's what you know the players need. Like I, I can control what I can do. I can't control what the final score is. Yeah. Well, let's hope that they can turn around and maybe maintain some focus against Scotland. But yeah. on to the next game. Honestly, there's not a lot to say about this game. I feel like this was. It was totally lopsided, and it was embarrassing for England, and France just made everything look too easy in the final score. France 53, England 10. Probably one of the worst losses that England has seen in Twickenham. Yeah. I think um, I think it's like their biggest defeat to France, if I'm not mistaken. Um. um I remember reading somewhere it was, you know, a record a record win for them, but I don't remember what exactly what the record was. Yeah. And oh, man, it yeah, it was just it, really like cool. honestly honestly like that first try that um that very first try that yeah, France had, it looked so easy. It did. It just looked easy for them. Cuz it was they were in the opponent half, right? Mm-hmm. They just got one good break out of um, they got one good break out of a forward pod, and then it was just easy uh, offloads and two on ones all the way down the field, almost like it was like a perfect drill that you would teach in you know high school in high school rugby in America, in America where it's yeah. the two on one on one on one for them. It looked perfect, executed perfect, and it looked so easy for them yeah you know uh, absolutely they just seemed they looked so much faster they they seemed so much more physical uh with even which you know makes it a little surprising that england i think somehow had that england somehow had um more um dominant tackles i think at the end of the day but just it, it seemed like they were just the so much more physical team the much more like like they were keyed in. I think, you know, England, once the first or second try went in, they sort of just, like, um, not, you know, weren't in it anymore. Um, as, you know, the Honey Badger once said, they were like the kid that fell out of the tree. They just weren't in it. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it was just, it looked bad from the get-go. Within minute one, yeah. it just looked bad. And, and I don't know what, what it was, because England didn't look less physical than they normally are, in my right. eyes. They were very yeah. physical. Yeah, they were guys still physical, like, yeah. Yeah, guys like Maro Atoje were just being, you know, scrubby and messing around with everybody, as well as Oli Chesham was... You could see that he was finishing, like, his tackles, as well as hitting rucks really, really hard, even when the scoreline was way lopsided in the first half. Like, these guys looked... They looked just as physical as normal. It's just that they... I don't know. It, something didn't switch on. Seemed, maybe maybe yeah. they're... They got like a fire alarm might have turned off in the middle or turned in the middle of the night so they didn't get much sleep. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Yeah. They just, they seemed, so the defensive line for the majority of the game to them seemed non existent. Like a tackle will be made. Maybe a French player gets an offload and they have to make another tackle. And now the the line is totally disjointed. It's not there. There's gaping holes everywhere. Um, And then offensively, they just never got going. They had one line break. France had nine. It's ridiculous. They missed 27 of their 142 tackles, though France missed 20 of their 144. But they weren't able to make anything of any of those missed tackles. They, you know, maybe an extra meter or two here and there. But nothing that was substantially, you know, made anything substantial for them. Um, except for, like, the, the Freddie Stewart try. Um, and I know some people were talking about, oh, um, clearly it's not, Marcus Smith is not it. Um, which should be Farrell or Ford or whoever. I don't think it mattered who you put at 10. There was that. The scoreline was going to be that way. There was nothing anyone could do. Yeah. And, and like, I, I keep on going back. So this is almost like a perfect game for France because they had great kicking. Antoine Dupont was playing great. Uh, oh, Flamont, he had a fantastic game. Charles Olivant played great. Damien Pinot. Hey, great. Thomas Ramos, like every across the board, played fantastic. Kicking was great, especially shout out to Antoine Dupont for his fifty twenty two. Like oh, that was beautiful off the off his left foot, which I'm pretty sure he's right. Is it's off foot? Like he was yes. messing around at that point. He was literally oh. just joking around. Like this is how like they're so good. Now it again it and it was in in London. It was. It just looked t- so much better. It was if I had to teach somebody how to play rugby the proper way. Look at this game, like just watch this game and watch France, because they do almost everything perfect. Um, yeah. The only, the only thing I would say was not perfect is they did give up three scrum penalties, but I would put that down to the fact that this is their third choice uh, tight head. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> so, so that that was like the one area that they, I think they struggled. There, they weren't. They still had some dominant pushes there, but it, there was. I think that was the one area that there seemed to be um, greater um, greater experience. Uh, no, no, no. Um, to, the equality between the two sides. You know. Okay. They, they were a lot closer. Um, you know, they would win some, they would win, uh, England would win some. But that, you know, that just comes down to, oh, we're missing our third choice. We're down to our third choice fly ha- uh, tight head because our first and second choice uh, have red card bans. So. <laughs> and one's currently on trial, so. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, just talk about um, the, um, I think, the guy who's been the best player this uh, tournament, um, Thibaut Flamet. Uh, He's, I think, second in, in tackles with 67. Uh, he's just been immense, just a workhorse at lock, what you love to see. Many, a ton of carries, a lot of tackles, hitting rucks. But, like, his I honestly, he is one of the, he almost is like an extra, who's forward, like an extra eight with the way he carries and runs with the ball and can make passes and stuff. I think that's just, like, their whole, most of their forward pack is very skilled. Yeah, I would uh I would agree that he's probably the forward. I would say he's a forward of the uh of the tournament event. Just because like tackles, he's been doing great. Mm-hmm. Um he's had three tries this tournament, which is technically like what second place. Because the only other one better is Hugh Jones at four. But then yeah. Pino and Olivon also have three. Um the only other one that I would say that could be in there is uh thomas ramos only because he has almost double the amount of points as the next best guy so he has 68 total points ben russell has 32 like 68 points yeah he and see here's the thing about thomas ramos i don't i think he is a phenomenal goal kicker he can kick from pretty much anywhere with accuracy and with power um and then the rest of his game i think is good but I wouldn't say like he's amazing. Hold like on. he's an amazing runner with ball in hand or anything. But he's good. He's good. He's very good. Um, but there's like possibly some guys you could find that are better runners or um, tacklers or whatever. But his Thomas Ramos has 111 meters made. That he is does. good enough. I'm for saying he's third good. I'm not saying yeah. Yeah. No, he's very, very, very good. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying. I think it like his kicking overshadows all of that so much because that it's that good it, it's it, he's the form kicker in the world right now i'd say and sometimes that just that wins you games i mean ethan would be saying it right now like he would be screaming at us it's like kicking wins games and he does that yes. all, he says it all the time and, and um we, we've been watching like in games that were closer to this tournament where he's taking kicks from from close to the 50 because they need to get, they need every now and again. They've needed to to just get points up on the board, and they they're like, well, we know he can make it. So that's a great weapon to have. All right, I'm gonna. We've been talking a lot about France. I'm gonna flip it back to England. Yeah. All right. So this is a storyline that's been happening for the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to get a little bit of your insight on it too. And something that I kind of frustrates me, kind of doesn't, but at the same time intrigues me is the whole Marcus Smith spiel, right? The whole Marcus Smith, Owen Farrell, uh, I guess, affair that's going on with Borthwick. Because, you know, Marcus Smith, he was hurt. I think it was just like a hip. It was like a bruised hip or something like that. I don't know. Like something obviously wasn't that bad. But then was said, you know, Borthwick said, all right, he's done. He's No more Six Nations for him. Then he goes back to the Harlequins, puts on an absolute like clinic and uh, playing against Exeter and their huge win man of the match win. And then all of a sudden Borthwick's like, all right, you're back. And yeah, he came back on and played and he had, you know, he had 10 tackles, 115 meters, 
plenty of care, 11 carries. Like, he's he's a great 15, or not 15, 10. Yeah. And then well, in, in this case, like, Owen Farrell was starting 10 the previous game, played like crap, kicked like crap. Right. And then started, or started the match on the bench. Like, yeah. And here's like the they're thing. just so insecure with who they want at 10. Here, here's the thing. It's like, yeah, those uh, face value, those look like really good stats. But, like, honestly, it didn't really lead to much. Yeah, he made yeah, a lot it didn't, of tackles, but, but that's because they're like, oh, let's, let's target him. Let's run at him. Get him on, you know, go at him. Get him on the ground because he's going to need, he'll need help on a lot of his tackles. He, he made good meterage, yeah, but, like, um, you know, some of it he's running from, the, a lot of it is he's running from the backfield after receiving kicks. So it's, um, they feel almost empty to me, and I think, and you know, and he performs phenomenally at club level. I wonder at times if it's just, if it's a mix of you know he's still very young, he's learning how to be an international fly half, and um, if England's just not quite as suited to his skill set as Harlequins are, because Harlequins are essentially built around him, whereas uh, England isn't, you know, and and I think. Borthwick also just doesn't know, well, who's the better fly half that I have? Is it Farrell? Is it Smith? Neither of them have They've been so up and down. They've had some good performances and some terrible performances. Yeah, but I guess that's what I'm saying is that that's a huge hole for them, especially leading. I mean, this is a bad problem to have when yeah. you're only a few months away from a World Cup is that you are don't have a solidified 10. And especially like with Owen Farrell, like he could play 10, he could play 12. He could do whatever the heck he, he could be on the bench for all all we care, but like that's a, especially with Owen Farrell being such a key player and a key point of focus for their offense, or what seems to be historically a key point of focus for their offense. It just seems like the the wishy washiness of it all is going to be super painful in a few months. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, they just they don't have the consistency. They're kind of in a bad position, and you know that they, I think the RFU kind of just said, all right, well, you know, they got rid of Eddie Jones. They're just like, we need a reset now. We can't wait till after the World Cup to get a reset. Um, so this is just a bad position. This feels like, um, you know, England are gonna have to go into this World Cup with the knowledge like we're probably not really contenders. If they're, you know, honest, like you should always believe in yourself when you're in an when you're an athlete in a sport. You always gotta have the mentality that we can win or else you won't win. But like realistically, it's like they they're not really con- title contender, as clearly shown in this match. They need to build. They need to find some consistency, and that needs to start with who is the starting ten. Yeah, and. I, I totally agree with you. I and I don't know if I, obviously we're not the the resident English fans in this yeah. podcast, but like they their group is going to be tough, especially with Japan and Argentina. I don't even know if they can pass that their group in the World Cup if they're having this problem. Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. Japan are going to be a tough team because the last couple World Cups they are a, a team to beat in in the group stages. They are they're prepared, they're well, and I think they're sort of the uh, dichotomy or the antithesis to England in that England at the moment don't seem super well drilled and they seem very disorganized. Japan are arguably 
the most well-drilled side in the world because they are so good. The players are just so good at like focusing on, we have a game plan, let's do this game plan. We have, tr- we have plays, we're going to run these plays until it's, it's like we're you know, like learning to walk or ride a bike. Um, so that's going to be very difficult for them if they can't figure this out. Yeah. Well, and and one more uh, point is I yeah. Thought, go ahead. Yeah, Freddie Stewart. I thought he was um, actually had a pretty good game from fifteen. Very nice try. Uh, he missed you know a few tackles, but I mean, yeah. When you have That'd be said when you have that many runners coming at you, that's just difficult to make a, any chance. Ellis Genge, all right as a captain, not not much you can really do, um, and. Ben Portfleet is so slow with the ball at nine. Very slow. They need someone faster, maybe Randall or They need Ben Young like from like ten years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or Danny Kerr from like twelve years ago. Yeah. After I think think Randall for the drugs. (laughs) Yeah. I think Randall can be it for them, but I think they need to give him the, the game time. Yeah. Uh, to finish that point, Freddie Stewart has been pretty good for them. Oh, very good. But enough said about that game. On to the final match of the weekend. And this was quite the most anticipated match of the Six Nations up until this point. Because Scotland, Ireland, this match was set up to be if Scotland wins, there's going to be a three way not tie, but like three-way opportunity to win the Six Nations coming into the final round. Yeah. And they fumbled the bag. So Ireland yeah. won 22-7. to This, again, continuing on with Ireland and just them being the t- number one team in the, na- uh, in the nation, in the world, the Grand Slam hopes are still alive. They look fantastic, but... They had some significant losses in this match. Yeah, a lot of injuries. I mean, shoot, they had Vanderfleer and uh, Keen Healy doubling as as the uh, hooker for for lineouts and scrums, respectively, at the end there. Which um, what I'm saying is three prop front row, unbeatable. <laughs> Drive the push unbeatable. there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but especially if you got a, a guy like Keen Healy, if you ever seen uh, the legs on that man, whew, they drive all day. Yeah, until until he, the, he he just gets smacked around sometimes, and the and like the in, uh, Scotland definitely seemed to be physical okay. uh, or more physical, and he was getting smacked around. Yeah, he yeah he definitely was. I think. Part of that is, um, what am I? Uh, comes with his age. He's, he's, I want to say, 34, 35 at this point, you know. So, uh, you, you know, and, and that's they definitely weren't letting the old guy get, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like, uh, it was more so that he just, um, wasn't uh, prepared to take the hit, didn't like sort of see it coming all the time. But I thought, you know, for the most part, he made a good account of himself uh, for the most part. Um, yeah. But the Irish back three 
of Keenan, Lowe, and Hansen. My goodness. Ooh. Possibly best back threes from Ireland that we've seen in a yes. long time. Especially one of the best performing back threes in a Six Nations in the longest time. Yeah, probably since like Gordon Darcy was, was back there and just producing magic. Um, it, it's kind of crazy looking at the honestly, like looking at this and like, wow, you know, if it weren't for injuries, Jacob Stockdale would also be here. Hopefully he can make a return and become a key and, and consistent um, you know, player for them again. Hopefully from either the bench or the starting, depending on how it goes. But it's going to be tough to take it from any of these boys. Um, and, um, in, I, you know, I think we should talk a bit more about those injuries, though, because now I think next game they will be without uh, potentially Ring Rose, um, Sheehan, Kelleher, and I think they were already down a um, another hooker, or unless he can't. Oh, no, wait, that was Kelleher. I think he can't. Sheehan. Yeah, Kelleher came down. Uh, so Vanderfeeler went to line out duties. Right. What else happened? Uh, well, I'm, I'm Doris went down. It... Yep, Doris went down. Uh, Ring. Oh, wait, are, are, you, are you trying Ian to figure Henderson. out like? Yeah, well, Ian Henderson to... went down. That's right. Okay, I got it. Yeah, uh, Sheehan was injured earlier in this tournament and is back now, and now is injured again. So. Yeah, this is a, a little bit of a hooker issue in um, in Ireland. Hopefully they can get those lads back. But yeah, just not a great game for injuries for either team because um, Scotland now have confirmed, you know, they're going to be without Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell for next game, and they might be without uh, Richie Gray for next match. Or, yeah, Richie Gray. Yeah, but they're also playing Italy at, at Murrayfield. Um, so for Scotland, you never next want to week, play Italy last game though. That is true. You never want to play Italy on their last game. But at the same time, I think Scotland feels a little bit like, eh, we don't really care that much because they already beat England and Wales, right? That's huge. They came so close to the triple crown. Yeah. For them, that's a huge win for that. I know it's not a six eight like they were hoping they had goals of winning the Six Nations, but I think they cemented themselves as the great, the best British team. Emphasis on British. Mm. Um, yes. So for them going into like this next game, this next, this last week, I think that losing those guys is fine because then they can recuperate, rest, go back to their clubs and play, and then just look ahead to the to the uh world cup because like obviously they have to play ireland again in the world cup and south africa like i would I, if i'm them just it doesn't matter just send those guys home let them rest we have a, some bigger fish to fry later down the line yeah and I, this is a i think this will be a good opportunity for them next week to build a little bit of um you know, fullback and fly half depth um for at World Cup and the qualifiers. Um, but <clears throat> back to this game specifically, so, I mean, they were only down one point going yeah. into halftime, 7-8. Um, and and they started off well. They took the lead. They were leading for the little while, 7-3 there. And just 
seemed to have a just a second half collapse where the, their subs um, for Ireland just made a huge difference there. They seem, you know, um, they just seemed far more up to the task than than Scotland were. Oh yeah, I'm gonna especially point out Jack Conan. Like Jack Conan, he came onto the pitch and he he looked like a lion, right? Yeah, because we like we back to when we were talking about the lion series. We were talking about how he doesn't look like he could be a lion today. He looked like it because he came or in this game he looked like it. He came like he came in for for Doris and played with his hair on fire and just like he did exactly what we anticipate him to do or we want him to do in a match to play well. Yeah, absolutely, and and there's been you know. He earlier in this tournament has had not had that great of a go. Um, part of the reason he he sort of finds himself on the bench, um, but um, I think you know this match and a little bit last match he's really came on and shown him you know really given himself a good go and shown like hey I can I you know I've still got it and I can still do what is needed of me to help this team win. Um, so that you know that's. Phenomenal, phenomenal game from him. He looked, he carried hard, carried often, made a lot of tackles, uh, didn't miss any, um, and actually had a uh, fair few nice passes and offloads made as well. Add himself a try. Just phenomenal game from him all around. Yeah. And honestly, if it weren't for some guys in that back three, you could even say that he had a man-of-the-match performance. Oh, yeah. Coming he, off the bench. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, I, I agree with that, it, that he uh, definitely put his hand up to win that man of the match, but um, not quite. But when you have Hugo Keenan, <laughs> Matt Hansen, and Lowe, pl- and James Lowe playing so well back there, yeah, that's definitely, yeah, that's tough. And they just, gosh, they, those guys, they just, they feed off of each other. They, um, Conan's try that well, he carried a few lads into the, um, uh, the, the try zone was just such a perfect skip pass from Hansen out to him. It was just so perfect. It gave him enough space that he could just charge over through a few boys and make the score there. Phenomenal. And also, shout out to him for not dropping an F bomb on, on, on camera again <laughs> yeah no, that, that, it's always a plus um but i mean you know just all around it's it's going to be very interesting next week when ireland have to face england but um even even though they're going to be without a few probably a few key players yeah so while we're on the topic let's i'm going to list off the uh Matches like I normally do for what's going to be happening this weekend. But then let's the who could win this uh, in this last week. So starting off our fantastic Saturday is Scotland versus Italy in uh, at Murrayfield at 30 Eastern. Following that, it would be France versus Wales in Paris at 1045 Eastern. And then finally in Dublin, it'll be Ireland versus England at 1 p.m. Eastern. So, looking at the table, 
We talked about this a little bit before the podcast. Number one is currently Ireland sitting at 19 points and a point differential of 66. The next team is France at 15 points with a point differential of 46. So we were talking about this at, at beforehand. If France wins and they get a bonus point tr- uh, and a bonus point, and Ireland lose, they win the Six Nations, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So that's scenario number one. Number two for France to, or the I guess the second uh, scenario that could happen: France win, don't get a bonus point. Ireland win without a bonus point. Then it goes down to point differential in which France has to win their match by 22 or 21 more points than whatever Ireland uh or their point differential needs to be 21 right one more yeah they need to have a, a so in that one sorry in that one you said Ireland get a bonus point and France let's say no let's say point. Ireland doesn't get a bonus point and exactly. France just gets a normal win yeah, and they just need uh, to score twenty-one. Or which yeah. at least they need to score at least twenty-one. Uh, if Ireland lose, maybe a little less than twenty-one. Okay. And then another scenario: France, France win bonus point. Ireland loss, but they get a bonus point. Mm-hmm. Then it goes down to the point differential again. And then the final scenario that at least I could think of is Ireland just needs to win. If Ireland wins, they win the Six Nations. Yeah, as long as Ireland wins, um, they get it. Um, even even if it was like closer, even if like France got every single bonus point because of the way it works, that if you win all five matches, you get plus three bonus points to ensure that there's no way another team can get past you. They win, it's over. Okay. What about uh? What about if Ireland draws? How much is it draws? Like two points? It's two points. If if Ireland draws, they win because they're four points ahead. So they that would give them put them six. So points yeah, ahead. Th- and then France could only hope to get five. So Ireland just can't lose, basically. Yes, as long as Ireland or, do not lose, they've got it. Yeah, or at least get a bonus do- and don't. Yeah. At least get a bonus and don't lose by too much. Yeah. So if they, yeah. So as long as they, I mean, it, it's a win and you win kind of thing. But at least they have, you know, the France versus Wales match happened beforehand. So at least we could figure out what exactly is going on before going into that last game. Yeah. All right. Well, any final thoughts or words of wisdom, Beckett? Well, Before be, I end on a shameless plug, should be an exciting uh, weekend of games next week. It should be. All right. Italy to shameless beat plug. What? Italy to beat Scotland without Wales. Italy to beat oh, without, Scotland. Uh, Russell and Hogg. I mean, it could happen. We've been talking about it. They have to get. They have to get their one win in order to call it a successful year. Hmm. All right. Shameless plug time. Uh, tigerstockprod.com T-I-G-E-R-S-T-A-L-K-P-R-O-D.com That's our website. That's where you can find some of our merchandise. 
we have like no bias t-shirts phone cases as well as some clemson rugby gear which portion of the pro uh of the to the clemson rugby club as well as we have beckett's blog and all of our episodes of our previous episodes so if say for instance one of your favorite episodes was the girlfriend's episode where we had uh anna and kenna come on you can go take a look into that again or say if you really like one of our interviews with some of the uh with some of uh the mlr players like jason dam go take a listen uh other than that we'd really appreciate if you just take a look at the website again i'll have it at, it's tigerstalkprog.com i'll have it in the description it really helps us out so on that note go watch some rugby